that I think will impact us a lot. I want to start with something I told you earlier this year, and then I want to go to many other topics on Parshas Vayigash. I think on Trav, we're going to go out of order. If the guys don't mind, then bear with me. Ellie, could you move, Ellie and Vinny, Vinola, could you move both these standards to the floor? Just so I want to see Vinny. Ellie, you put it on the floor. Nizim Chaim, could you help me put this big stander on the floor, this I can see? Bechever? Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. Perfect. That's Ellie, that's fine. Ellie, that's fine. Perfect. Okay. So I want to travel through the parish a little out of order, Nussin. There's so many life lessons that we can really take, it, take into our lives. So I want to do this as follows. The first thing is something I said, Ellie, earlier this year. But I want, to, I want to repeat it, and then some new things. If you look at page 134, there's a very cryptic pasuk in the Chumash. Yaakov Avinu, whose son, has been lost from him for over 20 years, and he's told in pasuk Koyach, in pasuk Chavches, Vayoymer Yisrael, Rav Oy Yosef B'nichoy, El Chaverenu B'terem Amos. Yaakov Avinu said, it's enough for me that my son is just alive. Let alone, I'm hearing he's like a king, he's the second to the king of Egypt. Rav, it's enough. My son is just alive. We spoke yesterday about appreciating just life without the extras. Yaakov Avinu just hears, not only is your son who you thought was dead for over 20 years, not only is he alive, he's the second to command in Egypt. He's the second most powerful man in Egypt. So, that was the country was. It's a good question. But that's the country was. So, Yaakov Avinu says, I'm, there's a shot in that, but by Yomer Yisrael, Yaakov Avinu says, Rav, it's enough for me. Oi, Yosef Nichoi, my son's just alive. I'm already, like, excited. I don't need to hear more than that. Let alone the power and the where he's holding a life. Unbelievable. Elchai will go, Verenu, and I will see, Beterim almost before I die, I need to see him. So Yaakov Avinu decides he is going to travel to see his beloved son, who he thought has been dead for over 20 years. Then there's a very, very cryptic, mysterious Pasuk in the Chumash. The next step should be, should be go down to Mitzrayim. But before it says he goes to Mitzrayim, it says, Vayisa Yisrael v'chol Sharloi. Yaakov Avinu and all that he owns, his whole entourage go, Vayovoi Be'er Sheva, they go to Be'er Sheva, Vayizbach Zvochim Lelekeov Yitzchak, and they bring Karbanais to Hashem. He travels to Be'er Sheva. This cryptic Pasuk, he doesn't go right to Egypt. The next Pasuk, Hashem comes to him in a dream and says, go to Egypt. But before he goes to Egypt, he takes a little stop on the road. And his stop is in Be'er Sheva. No permission. Okay, so the fact that he waited for permission from Hashem to leave, completely understandable. What in the world was he doing going? What's this Be'er Sheva, little pit stop? Why is he stopping in Be'er Sheva? Extremely cryptic. To make matters almost more, almost more interesting is there's a medrash. And the Medrash tells us what happened in Be'er Sheva. Avram Avinu, his grandfather, lived in Be'er Sheva. And Avram Avinu did unbelievable kindness in Be'er Sheva. Avram Avinu had a massive house, a whole campus, where people would come and they would study about Yiddishkeit. 
the picture, the silly, the childish picture of Avram Avinu as this old man with one or two people in a little tent. He didn't have a tent. It was a campus miles and miles long. That's open psukim in the Torah. There were, it was sprawling campus of trees. It was like a Durham-like campus, a beautiful campus. And people would come. People would come for a week, a month, hope. And the Rambam says tens of thousands, Rivavais, tens of thousands in a much smaller world than we had today, tens of thousands would come to study by Avram Avinu. This world famous man who, was a, who had won wars, victory in war, shocking victories, the four most powerful kings in the world, he beat in a, in a, in a battle. He was a very famous man. And Avram Avinu's kindness, his institution of kindness, where people would come and get a meal and stay with their wives, their children, and it had a men's wing and a lady's wings, this unbelievable institution, was in Beersheba. And Avram Avinu there planted trees in Beersheba. Says Chazal, Yaakov Avinu in this Pasuk traveled to Beersheba. He picked up the Eishel Avram. The trees of Avram Avinu that Avram Avinu used, it's unclear what those trees, if those trees were just part of the sprawling campus, where he actually built those trees into the, it was the actual physical lumber that he used to build the house that hosted people. But either beautiful trees that were in front of the house, or the house itself, and Yaakov Avinu traveled to Beersheba and brought those trees to Egypt. That's one another. Now we're getting more confusing. He travels to Beersheba. That's a cryptic verse. Like this unexplained, inexplicable. Instead of going after he knows his son's alive, traveling to Mitzrayim, he goes to Beersheba. To make matters more cryptic, Chazal tell us that what he do there, he took the trees of Avram. To follow the story further, those trees were brought to Egypt, and we left Egypt, we took those trees, those cedar, those big trees out with us. And from those trees, we built the Mishkan. The Mishkan had what's called the Bria Chatichon. The Bria Chatichon is the central beam of the Mishkan that went through the middle, the middle of the Mishkan to hold up all the, all the beams in the Mishkan. There was a beam that went through and miraculously it went all around. And that beam that held up the Mishkan were the trees of Avram Avinu. Now, what, in, what is happening here? What's going on here? I, it's true in the desert, it's very hard to find trees. And fortunately, Yaakov had the foresight years before that he brings the trees of Avram down to Egypt. The people take those trees from Egypt and bring them to build a mission. But there's something much deeper going on. And there's a deep lesson that is, is a fundamental lesson of this yeshiva. It's a fundamental point. I don't think there's a way around this. There's a deep lesson here that Avram Avinu's trees of kindness become the central beam of the Mishkan. The Mishkan is the place of connection to Hashem. The Mishkan, Ashroas Hashina, connection to Hashem, where Hashem resides in our midst. When you walked into the Mishkan, subsequently the Beis Hamikdash, you felt the presence of Hashem. It was the place that Hashem's presence was most felt on this planet. 
in the Beis Hamikdash that you served Hashem Yira. The word Yira, people translate as fear, is more appropriate. There was a sense you felt Hashem. Fear that was awe, reverence. You literally felt Hashem's presence. Visham Navad Chabiyira. The Beis Hamikdash was a mitzayus of feeling Hashem's presence. A person whose emuna was weak would visit the Mikdash and walk out. Just you had a sense why Hashem exists. You were like strengthened your emuna. Your emuna was strengthened from the Mikdash. As Mikdashi Tirau. The Mikdash is a place of Yira. Yira means remarkable awareness of Hashem. What was the central beam of that structure that caused awareness of Hashem was the tree of Avram. The lesson is profound and important for our lives. The way to connect to Hashem and the only way to get Mikdash is Chesed, is kindness. The trees of Avram, the kindness of Avram, brings is the path for a person to discover Hashem. A, a person who's, who's to himself, an ego, an ego person, a person who's not a giver, who doesn't think about others, cannot connect to Hashem. The trees of Avram, the trees of kindness, that he was busy doing for guests, planting a sprawling campus for guests in order to enjoy themselves, that tree of kindness becomes the central beam of the Mishkan. And Yaakov, you know, before he goes to Egypt, brings the trees of Avram. Is the lesson that the kindness must always come with us. And you build your house, one day your own families, and you build your own self through kindness. Before Bachar can get any Madragas and Ruchnias, he must learn to think about the Zulas. He must learn to think about the next person. A person who's just about himself can't grow. I don't believe it's possible to grow. I was excited that I heard one of the great thinkers of our generation, Rev Feldman, Rev Ezi was to be on the plane with him. One of the heavyweight thinkers, one of the greatest thinkers in the world today, bar none. One of the greatest thinkers, Jew, non-Jew alike. One of the greatest thinkers in the world today is with Aaron Feldman. I've had the pleasure of meeting him. The last few years I've gotten into his writings. Brilliant man. And every word, he's a very measured man who doesn't exaggerate. He knows everything, science, math, history, and certainly Tyre Lahavdul. He knows everything. Brilliant thinker, written deep, deep, profound books. And I heard him say live, I was listening, my ears heard his holy mouth. And Rev. Aaron Feldman said that we're born in a cocoon of mirrors. We're born just thinking about ourselves. We're born in a cocoon of mirrors. We're surrounded by self. And he said, until we break out of the cocoon, we have no possibility of living close to Hashem. Till you burst out of the cocoon. He was begging Rebbeim, teach people to think about the next person. Because till you think about the next person, you have no connection to any levels of connection to Hashem. A selfish person can't go close to Hashem. All the others, it's been spoken about a lot this week, perhaps a theme, what Avram represents, what Yitzchak, what Yaakov. And it was spoken about Avram's creativity. The Nikud of Avram, and it's connected, that I leave for your own thoughts, the Nikuda of Avram is chesed. Kindness. Kindness. Doing for others. A second thing about Avram is the discoverer of Hashem. Is that two facets to Avram Avinu? 
He's the Av of kindness. He's also the discoverer of Hashem. In a nation of people that were serving Abba Yedazar, he discovers Hashem. It is not two separate attributes of Avram Avinu. It's one and the same. The path to finding Hashem is through kindness. The path to finding Hashem is through kindness. There's a Chazal, when Klal Yisrael, when the Jewish people saw Hashem, at our Sinai, they all said, Zekeli, Zez, the point, something's in front of you. They said, God, whoa, Zekeli ve'anveyu. We say it in Az Yashir. What does the word ve'anveyu mean? So Uncle says, means the three pshatim and Chazal. I'm going to talk about two out of three right now. It does, could mean beautiful. Vanveyu, Uncle says, means I will build a base Hamigdash. A nave is an abode. Vanveyu, that's our God. Let's build a base Hamigdash, meaning that's our God. We want a connection to Him. Let's build a Mikdash. Let's have a place that we can really connect Him. A second translation of Anveyu is Anivahu. Me and him, I want to be like him. That's our God. Whoa, let's be like him. That is one of the sources. You're supposed to be kind. Mahu Rachum, just like he's compassionate. Af Ata, be like, be godly, be compassionate. You see Hashem, you want a connection. Whoa, Hashem, connection. Okay, Anivahu, I'll be like him. The path to a connection to Hashem is to be kind like Hashem. If you're too different than Hashem, in the physical world, proximity is closeness. If you're, if you're close to somebody, me and Binyamin are very close now. In the spiritual world, closeness is defined by similarity. If you're like Hashem, you can connect to Hashem. If you're not like Hashem, you're very distant from Hashem. The way to connect to Hashem is to be like Hashem with kindness. Zekeli vanveyu anivahu, I'm going to be like him, kind. The path to closeness to Hashem is through chesed, is to start thinking about other people. Start putting yourself out there for other people, caring about others, doing for others. I watch in yeshiva, we're watching a renaissance, we're watching an explosion in the 12th grade of guys just picking it up and growing and steiging. It always, it always comes, it's like remarkable, it always comes together with being a better son to your mother, a better son to your father, a better son, always. I've never seen it not come together, never. I've never I never say a guy is steiging, but all his relationships, he's still weak. It comes together because the way out of this cocoon, if I think about others, I break through, and then you can have a closer connection to Hashem. It says on a Balgaiva, conceited person, Hashem says, I can't live with you. You and I cannot live in one place. A conceited person cannot discover Hashem. If somebody asks you, where is Hashem? Where's Hashem? Wherever you make room in the heart for another person, there is Hashem. He can't be when you're all when you're self-centered about yourself, even religiously self-centered. When you're all about yourself, then there's no room for Hashem. In matter of fact, in the yeshiva, the model in yeshiva is to grow and cause another person to grow. You are not steiging if you don't care that your roommate's not growing. Because the danger of growth is that it becomes all about me. The danger of growth is I'm busy, I'm steiging, forget him, forget him, forget her, I'm steiging. Very, very dangerous, very dangerous. Even a guy will come to me and say he's, he had a friend, of, he, he was friends with a girl, and he's steiging, I want to drop her, she's bad for me. So don't you dare talk. To, and then I'll call her up, call her up, write her, you're bad for me. That's a shameful way of talking, you're bad for me, it's all about you. 
Instead, think about her. One second. I'm not good for you. You're not good for me right now. I'm not ready for a relationship. It's bad for us. If you're all about you and your growth, you won't have much growth. The path to Hashem, the path to Hashem is kindness. When growth is very self-centered, <laughs> when growth is very self-centered, when it's about you, I, when I hear a guy is dropping a road, you're bad for me. That bothers me a lot. You're so selfish. Why don't you say to yourself, and if you want to grow real, say to her, I'm not ready to commit to her. It's a whole different text. I'm not good for you. I want you to have Ali. That's a whole that's a different thought process. That's a person who's ready for growth. That's a person who's exploding at the cocoon of mirrors. It's not all just about myself. Certainly we're supposed to care about ourselves tremendously. Certainly, certainly. It may not nearly me. We're supposed to care. If I'm not for myself, who's for me? And Hashem wants us to care about our Ani. We care a lot about our Ani because we're supposed to. But we have to take that Ani and dedicate it and think about others. That's the best thing for my Ani. Kshani la'atzmi mani. When I'm to myself, what am I? The best thing for my Ani is to expand the Ani. You expand the Ani by thinking about others, by caring about others, by giving for others. That's how you expand your Ani. That's the best thing for your Ani that you're supposed to care about. But a person who's just about himself and just his thoughts are only on self, his davening, Rufal Aryeh asks so sincerely, a guy is davening, he's praying, and all our prayers are for the masses. If you're paying attention to the words, you know, in davening, you're supposed to stick in your original thoughts. But if you're paying attention to the words, it's like frustrating. You're sitting there, Slach lanu avinu, please, please forgive us, God. Lanu li. <laughs> God, so you wait to your own words. Hashem, I wanted to ask you about me. But you're saying, Slach lanu, us. Us, us. Refa'einu Hashem. Heal us. Us. <laughs> so you wait for your, and you're supposed to insert your own additions. But why in the prepared part of prayer is it all about us, not me? Because the best thing for yourself is to think about others. The best for your ani is to be expansive. Us, us, forgive us. Certainly me amongst them, but us, us. That's the best thing. That is the best for your ani. I'm proud of you that you recognize that, Rafal. So Rabbi Yisai, that is the first thing I wanted to say about Avram Avinu pricking up the trees of Egypt, of, of, of Be'er Sheva and bringing them to Egypt, is the trees of kindness become the central beam of the connection to Hashem. That is something to always remember in your life. Kindness, I have seen, I want you to hear this, there are many families of kindness that have children that are big people. It's fascinating. There are people that are huge in chesed, huge, and they have children that are big adoylem. It's the natural course of events. Chesed leads into big madregas of service of Hashem, kindness. When a person's just selfish and just focuses himself, doesn't think about another person, that is a sure way not to come into the connection to Hashem. That was message one. I want to keep on this theme, but really... To bring out a second, I almost feel badly. Parshas Vayigash is packed full of life's fundamentals. This is this is like a distant cousin, but a different point. Please come forward with me in the parasha. If you please look. Please turn to page 136. Pasuk of Tess, 
Before it was Pasuk Kayach, now it's Pasuk Chavtes, 29. Yosef, who's the second in command in Egypt, he himself, he himself gets his, 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 his vehicle ready. He himself puts on the reins and gets his animal ready to travel to his father. He has many servants and can ask many people to do this for him, but it's a love of his father. He wants to be busy with the mitzvah. Mitzvah boy It's better to do something yourself. He has a great love for his father, a great love for Hashem to do the mitzvah of Kibbutz and he himself. He could ask many servants, it's almost inappropriate, but he himself re- gets the horse ready, the animal ready for this trip to greet his father. And he goes to greet his father, Gaishna, towards Gaishan. And he appears to his father, he cries on his neck, he falls on his neck, and then he cries on his neck. Says Rashi, look at this important Rashi, two-word Rashi, he, he appears to him, says Rashi, a very cryptic Rashi, it's a four-word Rashi that I want to speak about. You could talk about this Rashi for weeks, but I want to talk about it for a few minutes. Vayere love, Pasach of Test, page 136. Yosef appears to his father. Yosef Nirelavev. What is Rashi telling us? It says, Vayere love, he appears to him. Yosef appears to his father. Yosef Nirelavev. Now, this is what I want everybody to think about for a minute. There's a reunion here, 20 years missing each other. A father probably misses his son more than a son misses a father. That's clear. father's love of his son is greater than the love of a son to a father. That's always that way. Not for now. But that's for sure. But there's a, pro- there's a, there's a fascinating line in the Torah. It says, Yosef appears to his father. Yosef near a love. Yosef is appeared to his father. Why would the Torah write it that way? They appeared to each other. Because no. There's a reunion. They haven't seen each other in 20 years. Everything Hashem tells us is precise. This is God talking. Things are not said like, things are not said like somewhat it's exact. Why does it say, Yosef appears to his father? So I'm going to tell you what Nassim just said brilliantly. The language should be, they, they saw each other. The reunion, two people who craved to see each other. Two people who are excited and they met, and they saw each other. No, no, no. It's not an equal they saw each other. Yosef appears to his father. Yosef appears to his father. What a strange way. And if you, Rashi is not saying anything different than the Pasuk. Rashi is explaining. It says, Vayera a love. He appeared to him. Says Rashi, who the two people doesn't, is Yosef's near Elaviv. Why would Hashem Aiki, you and I'm asking, is a profound question, Benjamin, with an answer that's equally profound. Why in the world, Eli, in describing this reunion, this epic encounter, this long-awaited, amazing emotional moment, when the father and son meet, the father whose precious son that he loves, and has been departed over 20 years, he's thought he's dead, and they meet, is Yosef appears to his father, says nothing, 
brilliantly, as is his way, that Yaakov thought Yosef was dead. Yosef knew Yaakov was alive. So the more dramatic encounter is his father seeing his son. Brilliant. So Yosef's near Elaviv. The father saw his son. Very intelligent, Nassim. Nassim said, just in saying over the story, the more dramatic part is Yaakov's, the fact that Yosef saw his father, he knew his father was alive. That's not a dramatic encounter. So Nassim says intelligently that the father saw the son. The father thought his son was dead. Yosef is seen by his father. That's the more dramatic. Nice answer. Intelligent, Nassim. As is your way. Yitz, what were you saying? Same thing. So Yitzchak and Nassim both said extremely intelligent that Yosef's near El Aviv, that's the more dramatic, that's the Chiddush. Very intelligent. I like it. I want to share, I want to share a lesson for life with you. I want to share a lesson for life with you, Ellie, that I want you to know about. I'm going to use the following parable. I want you all to hear this parable, and I want to tell you something that's, that I was talking to my son this week at length about, not Nagar this parsha, but I want to bring it out from this parsha. I want to tell you something like this. In our world, Baruch Hashem, we're blessed with big families. I'll tell you something funny. People go back home commonly for Yomim Toivim, Pesach. It's a big time. Families all come together. And you have a whole bunch of kids returning home with their wives and children. And it's a fascinating dynamic. Much, much ink has been spilled about this dynamic. It's p- parents, like, I don't want to say resentful. Most parents are just, it's a beautiful family together. is awesome. It's one of the beauties of Yom Tiv is families coming together. I always get upset when a Bachar is not home for Yom Tiv. It's one of the purposes of Yom Tiv is a family to come together. One of the purposes to be with your family, to Gemara Sukkah, but not for right now. But there's a lot of fast. When the family comes back, you have a whole bunch of children coming home. There are a lot of in-law dynamics going on. And there are a lot of dynamics of the parents, the kids feeling entitlement. We're coming home. The mother's working too hard. There's a lot of fascinating dynamics. As always, family dynamics are from the most important challenges of our lives and the hardest challenges of our lives are family dynamics. So when the children come home, there's a lot going on. One of the things that goes on is you have three daughters coming back to their mother's home, all with their six kids. You can imagine the house is happening. And there becomes a sense of jealousy. Mommy's giving attention to her kids, my kids, your kids, and little things like that. Who's getting more attention and things like that. So somebody once asked me my thoughts on this, on this dynamic. On this dynamic, there's a lot of things going on. But picture in your home, you, your brother, and your sister all returning home, Pesach, with families of your own. And there becomes dynamics, different types of dynamics, different politics, which kids are getting attention and things like that. There are a lot of things going on. What I want to say, I once told somebody that I find it so sad, a child coming home, here you're married, Your parents gave you life. Everything you have is from them. Everything. You're only on this world from your parents. We got it from your parents. Three partners and a man. Aviv, Imai, and Hashem. Three partners. They brought you into the world. If they drop you at a train station and did nothing for you the rest of your life, you have enough to be thankful, endless thanks the rest of your life, let alone that they raised us. Let alone. 
thankful for life. Yeah. Let alone that they let alone that they did a lot more for us than that. Now, now, what I think Nassim, here the person returns home and the persons get, we're human beings. I'm not tining on being sensitive. We're human beings. I feel badly. Mommy's giving attention to his kids, her kids. What the self-talk to myself has to be, and we're human. We're allowed to have feelings. That's just the way we are. We're human. We have feelings. Don't be in denial of your feelings. It's normal to feel. But what can you talk back to yourself? All your kids. If your main focus is, I want my parents to feel good. I came back now home with a sense of... of appreciation, a sense of honoring my parents. If you're focused on your mission, it leaves much less room for other ego things. I'll give an example. I'll give a different example. You're refing a game. You're refing a game. If a ref focus, I'm refing the game right now, it's easier to remove your ego. I'll give another example, a Rebbe. Sometimes a Bacher says something, your ego is hurt. Stop focusing on your ego. There's a job and a mission that you chose to focus on. I know a Rav who gets involved in very heated situations. He, he works on marriage situations. And often he gets, he, gets, he gets yelled at when you're involved in difficult... If you're an arbitrator in difficult circumstances, you often get yelled at and people get angry at you. If you make it about your ego... You're hurt, and it's normal to get hurt. So what do you do? How do you step into that fold? How do you step into that and and, and manage not to be worried about your ego? The answer is to focus on the mission. You made a decision to do something. It's not about you. Take yourself out of the equation. How? By focusing on the mission. Take yourself out of the equation. How? But I do care. I am insulted. But didn't you decide to do a mission? It bothers me when a Rebbe gets upset. When a Rebbe gets insulted, you forgot to take yourself out of the equation. How do I take myself focus on the mission? Now, we care about ourselves. That's, that's, we're born that way. But if I can say I'm busy with the mission and dedicated to the mission, automatically other petty concerns fall away. Picture the guy who goes to his parents' house with a sense I'm on a mission for a week. I am moving in just a car. I want my parents to feel good. I am saying everything I own is yours, comes from you. You comp- All of a sudden, I'm so insulted, mommy said... So, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm so busy on a different mission that becomes just not important. It becomes not important. When you have missions, your ego and other silly things become less. Just this week I was talking to my son and we were discussing, he was saying that he feels more of a sense in his life now than ever of missions. And he says when you're on a mission, ego often falls away. Things he never thought he can beat fall away. When you have a sense of purpose, a sense I'm busy with something, a petty, I feel so badly. Somebody who, who's getting very upset, mommy looked at him, da 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 da. They clearly forgot to have a mission. They're just, if you're not about a mission, that's when all the petty things become big. If you're actually going home with a sense of purpose, the petty stuff typically fall away. Again, we're human beings. I don't say if we have the feeling to melt, we're normal. But I say rededicate. To me, somebody who has the thoughts, she looked at him, she did this. Aren't you busy with something? Remind yourself. One second, I came here to do something. Can I get back to that? Okay, I feel it. 
Yosef at Sadik's going to his father, Rabbi say. His entire thought of this great person is Yosef near love. It's not about himself. Yosef should be seen by his father. He's not thinking about seeing his father. He's thinking about his father seeing him. He's a man on a mission. He's now going to his father. They've parted for over 20 years. Yosef near Aviv. Yosef should be seen by his father. It's completely negation of self. His ani is, I want my father to see me. 20 years he hasn't seen me. And like Nassim and Yitzhi said, right. His father thought he's dead. Yosef's whole focus is Yosef near Aviv. In such a massive, in such a focus, petty considerations fall away. You go to your parents for a chag, and your thoughts are, your thoughts are, Mayor near Elimoy, Eli near Elimoy, I want my mama deserves. That's my thoughts. Petty things fall away all the time, they fall away. Even we're human beings, it's always what comes up. You see, I want to say, you know, I, I came here with a purpose. I have a sense of mission. The word mission is huge by me. When guys go to Eretz Yisrael to learn, I don't let, I forbid any guy here to take a dollar of tzedakah. People give you money to make you a messenger of a mitzvah. Because it says a messenger of a mitzvah, bad things don't happen. Shluchei mitzvah and So somebody will give you a dollar when you go learn in Israel to save your plane. Don't give back the dollar or say, if you don't mind, I'm going to give it in America before I leave. Then a sin, I want to make your plane safe. What you respond is, I'm going there to learn. That's the, I'm a shliach mitzvah. You don't have to turn. If you're going to tour, then somebody should give you money. I'm going to learn. I'm the greatest shliach mitzvah. The re- I don't do it as shtick. I don't do it as shtick. I want a sense of mission, a sense of purpose. It's not a shtick. Shai feel bad, feels bad for the aniyim, but I want you to go with a sense of purpose. I want a guy, he's going with a man on a mission. Remember you got on the plane. Remember it's expensive to get on that plane. It's 5,000 miles away. It's a massive trip. I want a person to remember I came here for a reason. When a guy goes to yeshiva, Nobody's trapped. Nobody's forced. I came here for a purpose, to remember mission. When you remember mission, a guy learning is hard, but I came here to learn. (laughs) It's hard. I'm tired. I came here for a mission. It's easier to get out of bed. It's easier to push away all silly thoughts and thoughts that just... If you have no mission, silly things creep in and push you and pull you and beat you up. Anxieties, all different types of things capture a person not on a mission. He has no sense of, I want to be about something. It is so much easier to beat all sorts of challenges, petty and difficult, but I have a sense there's something I'm aiming for, something I'm striving for. There's something I'm about. My father's very into goals for this reason. When you have goals, you're shooting for it. It's much easier that I have a mission. I have something I'm trying to be. So really, you're going to let this knock you off that? I'm very focused on a mission. There's a person I want to be. There's something I want to do. The more we can create a sense of mission, the, the easier it is to let petty things not stop us, to beat and push away petty. That's just not what I'm busy with. When somebody's sitting there at their parents' house and they're fetching about pettiness, it's just very clear to me that they don't have much of a sense of it. If they did, not they wouldn't have such we were human beings, but it'd be easy to fight it off. They'd be like, one second. You're getting sidetracked. You're real, you've really lost your way. Really? That's your big thoughts? Who's mommy giving more attention? You're not Yosef Nirelimai. 
Yosef near Elaviv. You're a guy, my mother's going to, I'm going to see my mom. When you go home, you could do this. Sit down for a few minutes and decide, you know, everything I have to my parents, I'm presenting myself to them. Here, I owe you everything. And then petty things come. I'm not, I'm not busy with that. Now, you're human. Don't be in denial. Okay, interesting. You know what? I really, I've lost my focus a little bit. I've lost my focus. My ego is here a lot. My sense of mission is a little lost. I've really lost, you know what, Kalish, the self-talk. Kalish, didn't you come here because you owe our car a Can we get back to that? Can we focus on that? Can we be? And when you're focused and busy with that, you will find a lot of petty things. Who has time? Who has thoughts? That's not what I'm busy with. That's not what this trip's about. Yosef near El Aviv. Yosef at Sadiq and Hashem who knows the depths of our hearts. He doesn't say the father and son met. He says Yosef appeared to his father. This negation of Yosef, and it describes Yosef's love, that he himself harnessed his horse. He didn't get a servant to do it. Rashi says he himself did it. Says Rashi, who asked my asras asusim? He himself harnessed the horses. to be busy with the honor of his father. It was about dad. It was about dad. That was his focus. Trust me, he was very excited for himself. But he said to himself, my father suffered so much, I owe so much to my dad. This is dad's day. And he focused like that. There was Yosef near a love, there was no sense of self here. So the Torah records it. He, everything's recorded from the perspective of just to the father. Just to the father. Yosef at Sadiq appears just to the father. Yosef cries on his neck. Yosef Everything's Yosef appears to so it's not about Yosef. Not his father appeared to him. That wasn't Yosef's thoughts. That wasn't the inside of Yosef. There's so many way, areas in our life, if we focus on mission and purpose, hard and thoughtfully, there's so many things we can conquer, tons of things that we can overcome, we'd be surprised by. And smallness, petty smallness, I think, that enters our thoughts, like such small things tend to fall away when you have a bigger purpose. When there's no bigger purpose, ooh, the smallness set in. And we're capable of unbelievable smallness. We're human beings. Oh, do we have small thoughts? Ah, it's not fair. The smallest, how small... We sometimes get shocked how small we can be, and we could be very small. When we don't have big picture, big focus, big mission, oh, can we be small? That's, and I don't say to deny it. I don't say to, to make it like it doesn't exist. We have that in us. That's fine. But if I can then get back, oh, can we be big? If I can get back to mission, to Yosef Nir El Aviv, to the job at hand, oh, can we be big? That's the human being. He could be oh so small, pettiness and nothingness, or he could be oh so big. It's our thoughts and our insight. What are you about? What do you want to do? It's a tremendous thing to harness, but you have to have a sense of mission. A guy in yeshiva who decides something, I always call it the decision. A guy who looks at himself at some point, and he says, the best thing I can give the world, the best thing I can do in my life is make a bigger me. I don't want to be a small person in my life. I want to be disciplined, focused, learned. I want, I want to be a, a big person, because that's what I could do for the world, be a big person. I, the initial start, guys get obsessed. It's normal in the yeshiva with working out and the sort. That's all I like that. But then a guy says, I can make myself bigger in much more important ways. That bigness, yes, yes, no, no, it's not that big. 
But the bigness of, 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 of a growing person who's acquired a lot, that's the best thing I could do for my wife one day, for my children, for my neighbors, for anybody that deals my my community. Ultimately, my Claudius, ultimately the whole world, is make a bigger person. A guy who's focused on that sense, because I want it for others, make a bigger person. Petty things fall away. I'm busy with something. Petty things that seem to stop him, it's like easily falls away. I used to walk, I used to walk three miles to Yeshiva from my house almost every other Shabbos. And it sometimes hit me, I'm walking with a group of people, and it's freezing, it's in the snow, cold, and I'm with a group of people, and it hit me that it's not fair. I'm having a different walk than the guys with me. Because by me, I want to be with the Bachram, it's what I want to do. So the walk, it's like nothing. Like three miles, it's, it's two steps. It's two steps. The guy, sometimes it depends who was there. So as you're with the guy, it's not necessarily that he's driven to be there. Then it's a three-mile walk. I had a two-foot walk, he had a three-mile walk. Because I wanted to be there. The, the walk, I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't notice the walk. Was it? The weather, I didn't notice. I want to get there. I didn't notice it. If you're focused on a mission, things that are petty become very, become very minor. Without a mission, all the pettiness dominates our lives, all the small thoughts. One day, Be'ez Hashem, you'll be a father. And trust me, we're human beings. There are a lot of petty thoughts as a husband, father. You have all different thoughts that come in. If you're a man, and you always have to rejuvenate yourself towards this, I'm on a mission to have a certain home, a certain family. I want to raise an elevated, inspired, sincere house of Abdei Hashem, and you reinvigorate yourself with that sense of mission, I promise you. Petty things, oh, I'm so, husbands, I'm so insulted, she said this, oh, I'm so insulted, the kids did this. If you're not a man on a mission, all the pettiness dominates your life. It completely defines your life, all the pettiness, day in, day out. Look at our society, look at the divorce rate, look at the amounts of fights go on in the home. Pettiness without mission dominates, smallness dominates. All of a sudden, a person grabs on to a mission, he wants to have a certain home. Unbelievable importance to make a certain home. We, I went to a chasna last night. People come from all over. Such a, a shallow person sees all the celebrations. That was a great party last night. Then they wake up the day after their chasna and say, okay, I'm done my chasna. All the attention was about me. The next second I wait. The next time all the attention will be about me is my funeral. Party over. Now other people get a chance. That's, that's a petty person. After Shabrachas. That's a petty person. A deep person understands what was all that. What was all that? Why do grown people travel from all over, jump around, just an excuse to party? People, my father is the most disciplined person I ever met in my life. He's a disciplined man. He's driven. His goals, he does no matter what. He's the most disciplined man I ever met in my life. He is disciplined and driven. He doesn't miss his goals, no matter what. And he goes to every wedding. What's my father's don't waste 10 seconds. My son lived by him for two years. He, says, he said about his grade, he doesn't waste a minute. So my, my father here is going to, goes to every wedding he's invited. What's a man so disciplined going to every wedding? Bachram and Yeshiva have invited him to the wedding and he comes. He barely knows the guy. And the, my father goes to the wedding and the reason busy people go to weddings is because the most important thing in the world is the mission of building a special home. That is the most important mission in the world, to make a special home. 
the chassan who gets it and the life starts the next day. I told the chassan, he called me the day of his chassan, talked to me, explained to me life. I said, this wedding and all the celebration is because you're starting such a precious thing. That's all the excitement. And the rest of your life, remember that day, not as the past, as a power to remember how important it is day in, day out, the preciousness of what you're engaged in. You're building a home, a makam of ashra, a place where the shrina can reside, a place of preciousness. The one who constantly reminds himself the preciousness of his mission, the importance, the value of his mission, pettiness tends to melt. Again, we're human beings. I'm not fake. And you have thoughts, we're all human. But if you can remind yourself and reinvigorate yourself and re-review with just thought, once in a while sit down, you think a little bit. Remind what you're setting out to do. Wow, does that vanquish pettiness. All of a sudden, other things, you're like, really? <laughs> I'm busy with big stuff. Am I letting small stuff? That just, it's just not that relevant, not that important. Just getting warmed up, Parshas Vayigash. I'm going to end. I, I wore the guys out. We'll do one song and then I'll tell you something funny. It's going to be one of the funniest things you ever heard in your life. Every single. I, it's a little bit of a shame because the first two messages were like life altering. The third one, I'm just telling you because I want you to have some fun. So I'm going to tell you the third message. There are ways to use this in life, importantly, but I'm, not do- I'm doing it so you have a little fun. I was heavy today, so I'm going to tell you some fun. But first we have to sing a worm song. Um, let me think, let me think. So I'll tell you what we're going to sing, Rabbi Isai, because it's Rabbi Snicky's daughter's favorite song. I happen to like the song as well. Let's sing Gishmat. Yes, <laughs> Yes, One more Shabbos Kodesh song. One more Shabbos Kodesh song. Zidalach Shrey. Um, Kalbachs. Kalbachs Yidalach No, it's not good. Yidalach Shrey. Shabbos. 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 Shabbos
Continue tonight, Suda, but I'm afraid a lot of guys aren't going to show up then. They're going to be afraid. <laughs> okay. Rabbi Say, Zevi, you want to hear this? I guarantee you, Sakhaim, you'll like this. One last funny thing. It's an observation that I think everybody will appreciate, and then we'll get ready for Shabbos Kodesh. I'm going to find out in 30 seconds. Very quick, Rabbi Say, two minutes this thing. Yosef at Sadiq. I was worn out. I wore that one out a little. I share it over Shabbos. Maybe I'll share it over Shabbos. Who else is going? Where do we learn out that somebody? That's why I put you together that chance. Where do we learn out that somebody can't die while doing a mitzvah? 
doesn't say they can't, but it says that shluchei mitzvah and mezaykin. It says they tend not to get damaged. Oh, that's that's that. It says that something that's po- huh? nothing will happen that's not supposed. There's such a thing right. as midisadim. It won't be midisadim. It won't be midisadim. Me and you have cashes on us. I understand. It's real life experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have such. I have such. Yeah, I'm just going to keep it on the aim. Pick me up. Yeah. I have questions. I want to I, I went to my own with Ellie and Danny. Stop, 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 Fast, I guarantee, if you don't, if you don't find it geschmack, three minutes you let me. If you don't find it fun, then I owe you three minutes somehow. I owe you three minutes. I don't know how you could pay up three minutes, but if you don't find the geschmack, I am chayiv three minutes to you. I don't think we'll come to that. Be careful. Do listen to this? I think you'll enjoy this. Three times. If you read the, if you read the psukim, so listen to this. Yehuda. <laughs> Yehuda approaches the king of Egypt. He does not know who he is. He's the second to the command in Egypt. And Yehuda, powerful Yehuda, is upset. And he confronts Vayigash Elov Yehuda. Yehuda approaches the, the viceroy, the second to the king of Egypt, not knowing it's his brother, of course. And he speaks to him. He speaks to him and he comes to plead with him. Now I am going to read the verses to you. And I want to know, being honest, did, Ye- did Yehuda speak tough or soft? In every language, every time you speak, there's tough talk, fiery tough talk, and sweet talk. You can go up to somebody and you can say, Rebbe, it's not fair, it's ridiculous, you're speaking so long, be quiet. Or you could say it sweetly. Rebbe, is it possible I'm a little tired up? There are different ways of dialogue. I want to know in an honest way you're reading the Bible. I want to know if Yehuda, you feel, spoke tough or sweetly. I am not going to give any, in my language, I'm reading it dryly, purposely. And your job in reading the Chumash is to hear, did Yehuda come tough talk or sweet talk? So Yehuda approaches and says, Be Adoni. Please, my master, Yedaberna, please let me speak, Avducha, your servant, Dover, something in the ears of his master, please don't be mad at your servant, because you are like Paray, I hold you in the highest esteem. Adoni, my master, asked his servant, asking, do you have a father or a brother? And we said we have an old father and a young son. And his brother died, and this son remains alone to his mother, and his father loves him. And you said to your servants, bring him to me, and I want to see him. And we said, we can't bring him, because our father is going to die in anguish if he loses this son. And you said, if you don't bring him, you can never see me again. And now, our father said, we need food, we brought him. Could I ask you, reading these verses, did he speak toughly or softly? 
there is no way of putting into these verses that he spoke tough. He says, please, please, my master, your servant, repeatedly, he calls himself his servant, my master, please. Clearly, any person in the world reading these verses, he spoke soft, sweet as sugar. Please, I don't see a way to stick in. My, listen here, my master, you're evid, I beg you, I plead, your servant, my man. It doesn't work with tough language. It's not, the words are just soft as butter. Says Rashi, on those three words, you are like paroi, Rashi says three pshatim. Pshat number one is I hold you in the highest esteem. You are like Pharaoh to me. Whoa, do I hold you in high esteem. Then Rashi says, You're like Paroi. I'll knock him down and I'll knock you down. I don't fear either of you. I'll kill him, I'll kill you, says Rashi. The drash, the drash is, he says a drash. If you fight me, I'll kill you and your master. I'm not scared of Pare, I'm not scared of you. You're both going down. Rashi says another pshat. Like you're like Pare. Do you remember what happened? My grandmother Pare. Do you remember when you when you're when Pare started up with my grandmother Sari Menu and he got the stuffings beaten out of him? Well, you're going down too. And I ask you the following question. My whole life, there's different ways of learning the Torah. There's something called pshat, and there's something called drash. What always confuses me is the Torah has the simple meaning, and God is profound. He has many layers and levels of meanings. But how can the drash contradict the pshat? In pshat, he spoke softly to him. Parai, dear, not parai, viceroy, second in command. And then all of a sudden, medrashai, the drashes, he told them, I'll beat the stuffings out of you. So I ask you, it's a historical question. It's a historical fact. What happened? How can you have pshat in the chumash that he spoke soft like butter and the drashes, he said, I'll beat the brains out of you. What happened? Did he speak soft or tough? How can the pshat and the drash so contradict? One second, this side, one second. How can the pshat and the drash so contradict? In pshat, he came soft like butter. In drash, he said, I'll beat the brains out of you. What happened? Is a historical fact. Did he talk soft or tough? How can the drash so contradict the pshat? I have this question many places in Chumash, and I have answers to almost every one. Because it can't be a contradiction in what happened. So I'm going to tell you something both deep and extremely fun. This might be one of the funniest things you've heard. Just not, When I say fun, you'll hear what I mean. You'll have a fun time the rest of your life. Benny, listen to this. Every time we speak, we have pshat in our words and drash. Drash means on a deeper level. Watch this. You're at your Rebbe's house for a beautiful einig. It's 1.30 in the morning. You've been singing. You've been singing. You've been eating chalant. It's gorgeous. At 1.30, beautiful. At 1.30, the Rebbe says to you, he says, guys, good Shabbos, good Shabbos. The pshat is he wished you a bracha. Good Shabbos, pshat. What's the drash? Get out of my house now, I'm tired. In his words, in everybody's words, there's pshat and drash. There's what they're saying, but there's what they mean. 
the drash of Gachavis, Gachavis memories. Get out now, I'm tired. In our words, there's pshat and drash. This, I'll give an example. This is why I said it's so much fun. A speaker is speaking, and he says, I was on the train contemplating on the way here. So the pshat is he's telling you is on the plane contemplate is on the train contemplating. But why is he saying that? Why did he do the speech? He's telling you a few things. First of all, that when he's on the train, he's a real intellectual. I, I space out him on the train. He's a thinker. He wants the crowd to know he's a thinker. He also wants you to know that he prepared the whole speech last minute. Look at me. There's drash to why is he saying what he's saying. All our words have pshat and drash. They have what you're saying and what you're trying to say. Often the pshat could be sweet and mushy, but if you hear what the person said, the drash, Yehuda approaches this second to the king, and there's no way of understand other than he spoke soft and sweet. Oh, dear master, my boss. But then he mentioned Parai's name, and there was, <clears throat> he said, oh, I hold you in the highest esteem like Pharaoh. And there's a mashmais, I'm not afraid of him. Either by mentioning his name, he wanted to give, look, it doesn't scare me. Or remember what happened to him. So the words and the tone and the whole setting was sweet. The drash is a deeper level of reality. The drash is not a different way of learning, it's yet deeper. So you could have a pshat that's soft talk and a drash that's very, very tough. (laughs) For Bacher, while the Rebbe's speaking, <laughs> thanks a lot for the speech. <laughs> Such soft touch, where he's like, Rebbe, could you stop already? <laughs> I got the Shabbos. That means the Shabbos should get out of here. <laughs> 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 take the Shabbos. Sorry. Having misconceptions. Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>